<laughs> hey, Marcus, did you hear about that virus that's going around? No. It's called March Madness. You're going to want to catch it. <laughs> Bowen! All right, welcome to a life-giving local church where you'll find the friendship and the support that you have been looking for. At Echo, we want to help you find your place, your people, and your purpose. We believe this is what we're all seeking, and we can't wait to share it with you. Please join us for our services at Mayo High School on Sundays at 9.15 a.m. or 10.45 a.m. You have two options. We're eager to meet you and extend a warm welcome to the Echo Church family. Echo Online Community, we want to extend a warm invitation to you to join us for our Easter service this year on March 31st. We're hoping that this day is filled with sunshine, spring temperatures, and green grass as we celebrate Jesus' resurrection. Oh, yes, that'll be awesome. Yes. Cool fact alert! We're thrilled to announce a 42% increase in our giving during the first two months of the year compared to the last year. This is what? incredible. Aplazos! Yes. We're incredibly grateful for your generosity and support. Mm -hmm. For those looking to make, for those looking to financially partner with us to make an impact in Rochester, you have a few options. First, visit our website, or you can easily send us a contribution via Venmo to We Are the Echo Church. We deeply appreciate your generosity. Enjoy Echo Online. Catch it, March Madness. <laughs> Ha uh -huh.
How's everyone doing? What a good Sunday to be alive, right? Yes, mediocre. Okay, awesome. My name is Christy. I'm one of the lead pastors here. My husband, Andy, and I planted Echo Church four and a half years ago. If I have not met you, I want to meet you, so come find me in the lobby. But we are in the middle, wrapping up, actually, wrapping up a series that has been a phenomenal kickoff to the year, and it's called Get Your blank in order. And so every week we have filled in the blank with a different word. So we've tackled topics like our attitude, our tech life. We talked about family. We've talked about some joy, some finances. It's been great. And today I am going to fill in that blank with a big word. Are you ready? Legacy. Can you say legacy? And I feel like even the timing of having child dedication is perfect perfect way just to set us up for what this topic is. If I'm being completely real with you is I think this topic can be very overwhelming. I have felt convicted and I feel like the Holy Spirit has been doing some confronting with me this week about what legacy is and what I want my life to be marked by, who I want it to be marked by. But I do think it's a topic that we need to face, that we need to ask these questions. And so I just ask that you even posture yourself today to receive. This is not about what Christy's saying, but just saying, God, what do you want me to get out of this? God, what do you want me to learn or grow? And so if you look up the word legacy, it means that anything handed down from the past. So it's a very simple definition, but I think it can get a little complex. One lighter thing about myself that I really feel that I want to pass down to my kids or the people that come into our home is making our house a home, making it a refuge, making it a safe space, making it pretty because I like pretty things and I love the candles and I like just pillows and lamps are two things that I feel like we are allowed to purchase. Amen. Well, we are on a budget, my husband and I, and so a lot of times when I'm wanting to shake it up, switch things up, and he's saying you can't go buy new things, that means Christy's going to rearrange the house. Any rearrangers in here? I remember back when I was a child, I, you know, midnight would decide I'm going to rearrange my bedroom and my parents would come down hearing me moving furniture around on the wood floors. And now I'm in my 40s and I still do the same thing. And so a couple years ago, I had set out, it was actually on a Sunday after Echo, pre-COVID. Anyone just want to remember pre-COVID life? And I had this idea to move my art space. I like to do a lot of watercolor, and I wanted to have my art space in my bedroom, i.e. close the door so no one can bug me. And so I had this brilliant idea, and I wanted to move some furniture two flights of stairs. Started doing it by myself. It didn't work out so well. And so if you don't know this already, you are about to, is a lot of times when these situations arise, my husband will help, but a lot of times he likes to hit record while helping. And so today, just to lighten the mood, you get to see Andy and Christy moving an Ikea dresser drawer unit thing, okay? So do not judge, but enjoy. Christy, what are we doing? Carrying a dresser. Oh, let's see it. Someone's not sleeping. I need two hands, Andy. Okay, you got two hands. Let's go. Don't film me falling, Andy. Come on. Come on. Okay, let's go. Go, I'm ready. I can't even stand. (laughs) Come on. Lean it back on me. I need to drop you right now. No filming. Get up. Come on, babe. Put your phone down. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) Pivot! Pivot! Pivot what? That's friends. You don't know that scene? That's the most famous scene of television. Okay, come on. Put the t- weight on me. Push up. Come on. <laughs> Whose idea was hold the Hold it right there on that side. Oh, <laughs> I can't hold it. My whole hand don't let go. Andy, stop filming. Daddy, I can't pick it up. Andrew, Stop it! I'm here with my bride. Ready for round two? No, let's go. Separately. I don't know what I would do without you. <laughs> Andy. You're gonna wake up Kessa. Shh. Other room. My room. My room. Your room or our room? Shh, our room. Okay. Shh. Just checking. You do act like it's your room. I don't know what he's talking about. Go to sleep, Keza. We love you. Go to sleep. <laughs> I'm done. I'm going home. <laughs>
No, it's great. But if I know we watched that video, there's a lot. There's a line I say, you know, my room, and Andy has to correct me, and it's our room. I think a lot of us, we live life like it's mine, right? Anyone? It's my things, my life. That was a profound statement. Also, I'm a woman who tries to do it all, but I certainly cannot. Also, on the second flight of stairs, Andy taught us that he could have carried it himself the whole time if he had two hands. And I know I'm being lighthearted and showing you this, but I think I can learn a lot about my stubbornness and unrealistic expectations. But if I have learned anything over the years is that God wants us to exceed expectations. God wants us to try, but I think it's about not about trying by myself. It's about who am I trying to do these things with and who am I doing it for? And so today we are going to start with looking at a really powerful scripture. If you have your Bibles, open them or turn them on. Okay, and we're going to go to the first book of the Bible, which is Genesis, and we're going to jump to Genesis chapter 24, and we're going to start around chapter around verse 12. Okay, so just to give you a little context of what we're reading, is there's a guy by the name of Abraham, and Abraham, there's a lot to his story, and he is in the triple digits at this point of his life, so he's over 100 years old, and he has a son by the name of Isaac. Isaac is probably around 40 years old, and he is still a bachelor. And his dad is like going to take some matters into his own hands and find his son a wife. Anyone here having their parents want to set him up? So as Abraham is approaching this in his life, looking at legacy, what am I leaving behind and wanting to set up his family for success and just thinking of his lineage and thinking of his future grandchildren and great-grandchildren, he sets out one of his servants to go on a journey because they are currently living in some foreign land. And so he tells the servant because he's like, no, there's no woman here. So you're going to travel and go back to our homeland and you're going to find my, my son a wife. Okay. So that brings you up to speed. So the servant travels for over 20 days by foot with some camels and things like that, okay? So just a super chill walk for 20 days looking for his master's son's wife, okay? We all live life like this, right? All right, so we're going to jump to verse 12. This is the servant praying to God, and he's basically, he's in a position of like, how am I going to know who the woman is? I'm going to this village, and how am I going to, like, what sign are you going to give me? And so he's praying to God, and he says, Lord, God of my master Abraham, make me successful today. He doesn't want to go back empty-handed. Show kindness to my master Abraham. You see, I am standing beside this spring. So he's by a well where everyone goes every day to get water. The daughters of the townspeople are coming to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. So he's just saying, whoever I find, if, if I'm like, can I have a drink of water? They will allow him to have a drink. So please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says drink, and I will also water your camels too. Let her be the one that you have chosen for my servant Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Uh, verse 15, before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar and her aunt over her shoulder, it was probably around three gallons, carrying it over her shoulder, and she approaches the scene, and the woman was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever slept with her, and she went down to the spring, filled her jar up, and came up again. The servant hurried over to meet her and said, please give me a little water from your jug. She says, drink, my lord, and quickly lowered the jar to her, out of her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels too until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all of the camels. Without saying a word, the man watched closely as she was doing this, whether or not the Lord had made, it a, a, whether or not the, Lord had made the journey a success. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out gold. Now he starts presenting her with gifts and telling her who he was and what he was there for. Now, what I want to pay attention to is you can read over this text. I actually have read over it many times. I'm like, okay, he's thirsty. He's traveled with camels. But you guys, let's just put ourselves in Rebecca's shoes for a minute here, or feet. She probably wasn't wearing shoes, okay? 10 camels. Do you know how much camels drink? Do you think it's just like an eight-ouncer? Nope. Camels, if they are thirsty, they want 20 gallons of water each. That's a lot of water, guys. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was doing heavy labor and I am getting water probably for myself and some of my family members, and then this random stranger approaches me and asks for water, I'd be like, 
you know, anyone of you ever in public and someone asks you and you're like awkwardly try to help, I might do bare minimum. Like, here's a little sip and I'm on with my way. She not only did that, but she continued to provide water for the camels. Now, she's probably carrying this jug. That means she is walking back and forth 20 gallons of water per camel. Probably took her a couple hours. Now, how, are you, how would your attitudes be if there was a random dude, if you're a female, or, a, or if you're a man and there was a random dude, but I just think about a guy approaching me and wanting me to serve him for two hours as he watches me labor and sweat and work really hard. Anyone respond with joy here? Because I don't know about you, but I would respond with anger and annoyance, and I would probably be mumbling even if I was doing it to help him out. But what Rebecca did is she did not know the outcome, but she exceeded expectations. She did it with gladness. She did it with compassion. She had compassion for animals. And I know there's special people in here, but I drive by the squirrel and I'm not sad. And some of you are crying and grieving along the ditches and bringing animals home. But what, what can we learn by, from her? We can learn that we are to look more like Rebecca. Rebecca had no idea what her future was. And I think a lot of times we, there are tests in front of us and trials and we miss the mark. And I'm not here to def be defeated or we walk out like I'm a terrible person. But what I want to challenge and inspire you today is that we can do more. We can give more. We can live more. And it starts right now. It starts with, God, what do I have that I can give to you? It starts with the challenge of looking, look, having our life look a lot more like Rebecca's than Christie's. And so I ask you this again, is how can you exceed expectations? How can I exceed those expectations? And it's changing the bare minimum and saying, God, I'm going to give you the ceiling. I want to do it all. So we're going to tackle two different areas today of what I think it looks like to have a life of legacy and a, a, a life of wealth, okay? So the first one is relational. Say relational. Relational, and there's going to be a list of questions that I'm going to spew out at you, and please take notes, write them down, have maybe even a conversation later if you have family, friends, or you came here with someone, or you have a friend that you can trust. The first question is, who do you value? The second one is, who are you investing in? And maybe this is professional, maybe this is spiritual, maybe this is just through family, I know for me, I'm investing in my kids a lot. They are coming to me every single day asking for things and wanting special things and wanting me to buy them things that they need all the time. Is, third question is, who are you focused on? I know we talked about tech a few weeks. Are you focused more on your phone or are you focused on your children? Fourth question, what are you stewarding? This is a big one. What is suffering when you are not at your best? Or let me flip it a little. Who is suffering when you are not at your best? Oh, wow. <laughs> and I just want to pause here is a lot of times when I have moments of conviction or I feel confronted with issues is I think fear can come in. I think shame can come in. I think... Um, just even story of like my past can be brought up or maybe you're sitting here and you're looking so much in the past, you're turned this way, but God is calling you to turn and look in a new direction and look at what is in front of you and to change the patterns. And I wanna ask you this right now too is, who are the top five people who you spend your time with? And I even, I like to even push it further. So I have like the five, I have my family, but then who are you with during the week when you're not with your family? Like who are you spending time with at work or your social life? Because at the end of the day, is we become the average of those five people. And is that something that you're proud of? Or it gets you a little uncomfortable? Because God's calling us to level up. God's calling us to reach up. So for me, it's being selective with who I'm maybe confiding into. People that are going to challenge me and not just give me a pat on the shoulder and say, Christy, it's okay. And it's okay is good, but I want people to push me and to challenge me to be more. And it's not about giving more of myself in an unhealthy way, but it's about releasing the expectations and putting God at the center. You see, God wants us to live like we have a future again. And a lot of us have quit. Or we feel overwhelmed. God wants us to build a legacy where we are proud of it. 
John Mark Comer says this, you don't decide when you are 80 who are you are going to be when you are 80. You decide right now. I'm gonna say that again. Is you don't decide when you are 80 who you are going to be when you are 80. You decide right now. And so in this moment, it's getting ahead of the game. It's thinking the long game. It's thinking, what are people gonna say about me when I'm not around anymore? And I think the first step, the most convicting step for me is that I wanna have a legacy of faith. I want my girls to have firsthand experiences with Jesus. The songs that we sing today, like I can't sing them without getting emotional because I go back to when God called me by name. I go back to when God rescued me. And when I look at the, my daughter's faces and, I, and even when I look around this room, when I see all of you and I see what is represented in this space is that God wants us to have first generation faith. And maybe you're here and you are changing the course. You are changing history in your own lineage, in your own family tree. And I'm telling you today, you can do it. But it starts with you. If I want my girls, my daughters to be anchored on Jesus, it starts with how am I leading them? How, what are my non-negotiables? You see, culture tells us all the time, raise some well-rounded kids. You know, raise some kids that are educated. Raise some happy children. And I'm not saying those things are bad, but you know what I want? I want my kids to be anchored on Jesus Christ alone. I want my kids to know the Lord. I want them to be world changers. I want them to have the confidence to pave the way for a road that hasn't even been set out before them. And so how do we do that? It's we live an exceptional, radical life. We guide and we teach them. And I think it's through exposure. When I'm reading the word and they're asking me what I'm doing, I'm including them in and saying, come here and I'll show you. It's having the conversations in the car ride versus saying, shh, this, I've been convicted of this lately. I listen to the Bible a lot on my car. I'm like, mom's listening to the Bible. Like, no conversation. <laughs> just me. So I'm like, oh, I'm teaching them to be crabby when they're listening to the Bible. But it's just like, it's including them. It's showing them what is God teaching me. It's talking even about what a legacy is. It's saying, what do you want your life to be? And I just think, we are called to this, that we can do this, and it's not too late. That's the lie the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy and tell you it's too late. And I want to pause right now and say that if you want a legacy, it starts today. Because I am sick and tired of the devil winning. I'm sick and tired of him telling you it's okay to be hung over another day. I'm sick and tired of us not dealing with maybe our anger, our sin, our fear, our doubt, our strongholds. And I'm speaking about myself, the stuff that I struggle with, where I just come in and I come in broken, but God wants to deal with the mess. God wants us to get healed. You know what a legacy looks like? It's you getting healed today. You will change the trajectory of the future, and I am here to tell you, you can do it. And it's not just Christy on her own, but it's saying, God, I surrender. God, today marks the day of my future. It's getting out of her own way. It's you being exposed to God so your kids can be exposed to God. Your grandkids can be exposed to God. It's coming to church on Sundays. I'm telling you, that is not the end-all, be-all, but it's a great start. It's saying, hey, kids, this is a non-negotiable. When I'm doing soccer and we're gearing up and I'm already like needing to, whew, here we go, soccer season, five days a week. And that's gonna be fun and we're gonna, it's gonna be great, but we're pivoting and we're making it happen. But guess what I want non-negotiables to be? Them to know Jesus. Them to know what it looks like to love Jesus. And to remember that God has called them. I would not be here today if God did not call me by name. I would not be here today if he didn't show up when I was at my lowest of lows in my bedroom alone crying, saying, I can't do this anymore. And I know the reality is my kids, the people that I love the most are gonna have hard days. And it's not about eliminating the hard, but it's saying they will know their father and he will never leave them as they go through the hard. And so I think one thing that's really challenging to me and a character, again, that I have breezed over is Noah. Noah built the ark. We all know it. It was a popular movie a couple years ago. It's cute. You know, back in my day, I'm an 80s kid. It was like a nursery theme, Noah's ark, all the animals, so pretty. But guess what we can learn about Noah is, you guys, Noah was over 100 years old when God gave him a vision to build that ark. And I'm here to look around this room at my older folk who I love. God's not done with you yet. The legacy is still continuing. You may have a little more time. Guess what you can do with that time? Invest in people. 
Ask God, what can I do with my time? Who can I invest in? You see, Noah wasn't afraid to do something that had never been done before. Can you imagine your neighbor, if there was this big, you know, vastness of land, and they just started building an ark for days, and there's no even water, and you're like, you don't need an ark, there's no water. Would you think they were crazy? I don't know about you, but there'd probably be a Facebook text thread in your neighborhood community about Joe Schmo building the ark. But no, Noah had a vision, he had a plan, he had confidence, and a lot of times, we minimize that it takes one person to change generations. We would not be here today without Noah. He, he marked territory, he set out, he trusted, and he acted. And I don't know about you, but I just think right now, God's not done with us. Let's go into spiritual. The spiritual wealth component for me is how are you spending your time? Uh, Promise Keepers, I cannot think of his name right now, founder of Promise Keepers, brilliant organization, but I read an interview with him talking about just how he spent his time every single day, how he started his day. And he had three words, and they just struck a chord with me, and I want to share them with you, is that God calls us to be searched, fed, and led. And I love it. It's simple, it's profound. Searched is every single day, it's positioning yourself to say, God, search me. So often we're searching all the reasons why, we're coming in with our arms crossed, excuses, but it's us saying, God, search me. You know me, you know the depths of my heart, you know the things that need to come up to the surface, God, reveal those to me. I think repentance, confession is so important and vital. We are never removed where we've made it so far in life that we don't need that. So allow the Holy Spirit to search you. Second is fed. It's opening the word. It's saying, God, what do you want to reveal to me? It's, it's reading scripture, whether it's being read to you, you're reading it, and it's, it's not just this little 10-minute window. It's opening your Bible. I have, a, have, I have Bibles all over. Like, I just have gotten in this place where I'm not, the, I'm not the person that has my only one Bible, like my husband that's so tethered and beautiful, and I have envy because I'm like, oh, look at that Bible. Mine, I have them all over the place because that's how I roll with, I just need to consume the Bible in more places. And it's not just a check mark in my day like it was for a long time. And the third is led, is to be led by the Holy Spirit, not be led by me. Because when I lead, it's not good. Let's just say that. Disruption happens, chaos, maybe some disagreements, but it's, got, it's saying, Holy Spirit, lead me. When I don't want, for, when I don't want to ask for forgiveness and I want to put a wall up and I want to isolate, I need to say, Holy Spirit, lead me. And so we are called in this moment to be a leader, to be a spiritual leader, not just a leader that loves like learning and growing, which I love doing, but put spiritual in front of that. So plan for your future today. How can we plan for our future? It's when we do the right thing right now, not tomorrow. It's saying, God, I trust you. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied their faith in the worse than, worse than an unbeliever. Why do I read that? Is that we are called to provide. But when we provide, we need to have something to be pouring out of us. There's an analogy, roll with me here. I try to be a plant lady. I like plants and flowers. Um, I have a 50-50 chance when they come into our house that they're gonna live. But uh, I, we've lived in our house for 13 years and you know some of the pretty ones have come and gone, I've grieved. But when I think about our outside yard, May comes every year and there is just something that comes over me. It's usually like there's no warning. I drop my kids off at school and it's like today's the day. I'm going to buy the annuals and I'm gonna plant a ton of flowers in there and I can't wait to care and tend to them. And guess what happens? July, Christy's over it. Anyone, anyone let them kill? Here to kill, steal, and destroy. And I just give up. And when I was looking at my plants in my office this week, 50-50, some are doing really great, some are rough. I just had, I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, Christy, you need to live a life of perennial plants and not annual plants. Now go with me here, okay? So annuals, they're good for a season. They're usually cheaper. They're the quick fix. Like they grow the fastest, especially if you put miracle Grow on them. You, some of you have little seedlings in your house because you're hardcore and I admire to be you someday. And their life cycle's one year. 
And I think a lot of us, we live spiritually like that. Our life cycle's one year, or maybe a season, maybe it's been a phase in our past, but God calls us to be perennials. Perennials are, are plants that grow for multiple seasons. And a lot of times it's, it's the, they have the dormant season, they have the season of growth. There's fertilizing happening, there's pruning, there's shaping, but it requires time for them to grow and to establish their roots. And they have changing seasons. And that's what our faith is supposed to be anchored on. That's what a legacy looks like is seasons and going back. And it's, and it's celebrating, remembering when that seed was planted. Remember when the Holy Spirit told you to do that. I look around this room and I cannot get over the seed that was planted in me in 2013 that we were going to start a church someday. And it didn't make sense then. But God knew. And that God calls us to more. We are to plant things that last we are to plant things that grow, but it takes responsibility. And as I was challenged with this, as I just thought a lot about what is our life going to look like when we finish? How are we called to finish? And so I have an acronym. Anyone like acronyms? I love them. And so the acronym for finish, so you can write out the word finish, is I just even want you to posture yourself like, what are people going to say about you when you're no longer here? What's your funeral going to look like? If people were to sum up your life in one sentence, what would it be? F, let's start with F, is fulfillment. I want a life where I strive for the sense of fulfillment when it comes to living for God. I want my life to reflect my deepest values, my, deep, my biggest relationships and aspirations. You see, the opposite of fulfillment is lacking purpose. It's living in the now it's the vanity of this world. Second letter is I, is impact. Is that God calls us to have a positive impact when it comes to being Christ's followers. And it's striving to have our life reflect the teachings of God, to be anchored on his word. What's gonna happen when you're gone? Will your kids know the Lord? You see, Rebecca, she didn't know the outcome. It was unknown, but she did have an impact that was eternal and we're still talking about her today. N is nurture. When's the last time you nurtured your relationships? When's the last time you watered the soil? Were you invested in them? God wants us to cultivate a supportive and nurturing atmosphere, and I don't know about you, but I want my life to be nurturing atmosphere and not a battleground. And my heart, a lot of times, when I evaluate my life, is that it looks like a battlefield and not watered soil. I is integrity. Is that we are to maintain integrity in all actions and desires, ensuring that we have a legacy that outlasts us. How do we do this? We live a life of moral principles and biblical values. When's the last time you got real with Jesus? Or real with your life partner? Or your best friend? Or your parents? Some of you, it means confession needs to happen today. Saying, I need help. What secrets have you been carrying? Because the enemy wants our pride to win the battle. And we are called to be people who don't, uh, that do not live on instant gratification, but to exceed expectations. S is service. God wants us to serve. Rebecca served with joy and gladness. And God wants us to be generous with our time not looking at our clock, not meeting with someone and having a timer on the whole time or saying, you got five minutes, go. But God wants us to be generous with our words and every aspect of our life. In H, the last one is honor. We are to honor the memory of those that went before us, the legacy that came before us. 20-some years ago, I was at Hallmark. I used to be a Hallmark shopper. Sorry, Hallmark, haven't been there in a while. And I stumbled upon this book. I was a freshman in college, and I came across this book that says, Grandmother's Journal, a book of memories, thoughts, and dreams. And I don't know what came over me. I don't remember, like, details of that day, but I know that this book jumped out at me on the shelf, and I bought it, and I wrote a letter to my grandma, Cherie, who is still with us today. She's 93 years old. And in 2000, the year I gave it to her, she filled this book with photos of herself, with photos of our family, with stories of my, 
she and my grandpa courting, what their first dates looked like. She filled the pages with photos of my sisters and I and grandkids and wrote, just jotted down memories. And what's crazy is my grandma's still physically living today, but her memory is gone. And I don't know about you, but this book has been sitting in a memory road, like a memory, I'm saying road case because we're portable, a memory bin in my basement. And it just came up this week. I was like, oh my word, I have this journal. I need to go find it. And I took it because I have it in the safe, you know, safe bin of all my life stuff. And I just started shuffling through this and thinking about what legacy am I leaving behind? What am I going to write to my future grandchildren, my great-grandchildren? If I were to to give this to her today, she couldn't even answer her own stories. And it's not to get sad or depressed, but it's to honor who came before us. It's to think ahead of what we want the story to tell. And I am so grateful that I have this now to keep and to cherish all the days of my life. And I came across the story that I want to share with you in closing. And it's about a man named Coda. It comes from the book Chop Wood and Carrie Water, Ryan Hansen gave it to me last year. A great book. You can read it like an hour and a half, super short. But I want you even just to close your eyes as I read this story and even put yourself in the story as I share. There once was a man named Koda who built some of the finest houses in all of Tokyo. His work became world famous due to his dedication to the process and his willingness to beat on his craft his relentless devotion to keep learning, even late into his career. Eventually, though, Koda grew tired of building homes for other people, and he was ready to retire. Don't blame him. He had been building homes for over 30 years and was ready to move on, and he wanted to travel and spend lots of time with his grandkids. One day, Koda approached his boss, turned in his two weeks' notice, and said to his boss, I want, I'm giving you my two weeks notice. Coda, and his boss said, Coda, we are forever indebted to you for the magnificent work that you have done for our company. We are so grateful you have worked for us for so long. We just have one favor to ask of you though. Could you please build one more home? It is a very important house for a very important client and everyone in the company agreed to, that it needs your special touch. Coda was frustrated. He had to cancel two trips, postpone his new life all for this house. He told his boss that he needed a day to think about it. After talking it over with his wife, he gave in and decided he would build one more house. But he told his boss, this is the very last one. But while Coda had agreed with his head to build the last house, his heart was no longer in it. He had always been very hands-on through the entire building process, always selecting the finest materials by hand and making sure every single detail was diligently tended to. But this house was different. He viewed it more as an obligation than an opportunity. He delegated much of the work and consequently a lot of things started slipping through the cracks. The house would not would be up to code, but it started as it started to come together, it was obvious that it lacked that wow factor that all of his other homes had been known for. Coda knew in his heart that this was far from his best work, but it was He was over it and ready to move on to the phase of life. The next phase was much more appealing and important to him than the present moment. After four months had passed, Coda finally finished the house. He went back to his boss telling him, I did what you asked. Now I'm simply asking one last time for your blessing to retire. And his boss said, thank you, Coda. We just have one more thing. Now Coda was beginning to get very upset because he thought they were going to ask him to build another house. His boss reached into his desk, pulled out a very small black box with a red ribbon tied around it, handed the box to Coda and said, we are so grateful for you, Coda. This gift is a token of our appreciation. Coda pulled the ribbon, opening the box to discover a set of shiny keys. His boss smiled. This house is yours. You deserve it. Immediately his heart sank. Unbeknownst to Coda, the whole time he had been building his own house. If he had known the house was his own, he would have cared for it so much more. He would have been used, been using the finest materials. He would have been overseeing every single detail and given it like he had always done before. And I leave you today and you can stand to your feet And I'm just going to pray over you and you can keep your eyes closed. I think so often that we want to justify, we want to remove ourselves out of the story or the job that God's called us to. Looking at Noah 
the vision that God gave him, Rebecca, for helping the random stranger who she did not know. And I just wanna pray over you as you string those stories together for your own life. As God, we just come to you right now and we surrender. God, I pray for this to be a holy moment where you call us by name and you set us apart. God, I pray for you to take us back into our story, God. I pray for the legacy that we are building. God, I pray for your perseverance. I pray for your steadfastness. God, I pray for purpose to the calling that you have in our lives, God. I pray against us being minimizers, excuse makers, attitude-filled people, God. And I just pray right now for you to equip us. God, I pray for the house that we are building. God, metaphorically speaking, that we pick up that hammer that we put in the hours, God. And I just pray right now for you to give us purpose that is beyond our days. God, I pray for the legacy that is being built right now, God, that people speak of it for generations. And it's not by our works, God, but it's how you marked our life. God, I pray for the people and the generations below us, God, that you will give us a burden for the lost again, God. Let us serve you wholeheartedly and abandon our ways, God. And we just give you the next few minutes. God, we praise your name. We ask for you to invade our space, to correct our steps, to change our attitudes in your holy name. Amen. like a river wash over me immerse me in water steep as the sea hide me in love healing embrace peace like a river Wash over me. Come on. As I worship your majesty, worship your
vessels and some of us we come in here we feel empty we thirst and we hunger some of us come in here with a lot some of us come in here a little but nonetheless you call us to live a life of legacy and we just pause and we say thank you you did the heavy lifting God, you were like Rebecca. God, when we were depleted, you filled us up. And you do the same thing today. And so we, we come here empty and we say, fill us up again. Have your way. Would you renew? Would you just give us a fresh start so we can be your people and live, live the legacy that you've called us to live? In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, how about Pastor Christy? Didn't she do a phenomenal job? As I was listening to the message, I, I thought this, and I felt like the Holy Spirit dropped this in my heart. To be wealthy doesn't mean that you have a life that's full, but to be wealthy means that you have margin. And honestly, y'all came to church today, so everybody pat yourself on the back. You created margin to come here, and no matter how full your, boat, uh, your bucket was or not, you came in here and said, Lord, fill me up again. And that's what we do here every week at Echo, is our hope is this. You come in here, and the Holy Spirit interacts you and fills you to overflowing, that you be able to leave not yourself, but with the Holy Spirit helped to live the legacy that he calls you to live. I and mean, what a cool day to do that at child dedication, right? Like so many, so many uh, different generations are represented today. And so we just want to pause and say thank you, grandmas, and thank you, grandpas, and moms, and dads. Thank you for living a modeled life of what it means to follow Jesus. Amen. Does anybody else agree with that? And we, every week we pray a prayer. 
And we are able to live a legacy because we surrender to the one who lived the best legacy. His name's Jesus Christ. So let us pray this together once again. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, and I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me, forgive me, and lead me in Jesus' name, in his authority. Amen. Hey, can someone celebrate with someone who might have just prayed that for the very first time? Number two. Hey, Echo, are we glad our guests are here today? Absolutely. Come on back. We'd love to party with you. And then lastly, you have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.